Hello everyone and welcome to Sat in the Morning, the football podcast that sometimes does a little mini football podcast. Yeah. My name is Richard. This week I am joined by Phelan. Hello Phelan, how are you? Yeah, good mate. Hello. Hello everyone. It's been a little while. Mini version. Yeah, it's just a little mini one because we haven't we haven't got an episode out for a while now because we haven't been able to all get together at the same time. There's been technology problems. There's been health problems. There's yep. just been a whole mess of stuff getting in the way, really, hasn't there? So, oh yes. So we like it, uh, <laughs> we thought us two were available today. Let's get a little mini episode put together and uh, just a quick little catch up. Just to let everyone know that we are still here. We are still doing this. We haven't disappeared. But uh, yeah, just a little quick one between us two. So uh, yeah, Phelan, what did you want to talk about in this little mini episode? This little aperitif. So one of the things I've heard a lot about lately, well, certainly since kind of like the January transfer window and some of the things that's been going on around world football, is this thing about footballing, philosophy, club identity mm-hmm. as football fans do we really think that how important do we think it is does it really matter do you get behind your club still if they're not playing the type of football that you want them to play and how important is it do you think now with uh managers losing their jobs so freely this this point of club identity do you think it should factoring to all recruitment that the, the club does well especially with the way like clubs just burn through managers you've just got to look at the situation with spurs technically mm-hmm. we now we have with conte just being sat we're now on four managers in four years we're considering that was one of his comments in his uh in his press conference as well wasn't it it was like well you know you keep changing the manager and changing the manager and changing the manager but then you're still in the same position. So at some point, it can't be the manager's fault anymore, right? You've got to look at other uh, mitigating factors, other, what's the other, um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Um, Circumstance. No, like, um, uh, basically, Cons- the only consistent, other... Yeah. Consistent, yeah. Like, factor, you're... yeah. The only other yes. consistent factor is the, the club, you know, and, you know, what's going on there, really, rather than the manager, so... Do you think this I thing mean... about club identities has come along now that managers are no longer really managers? They're all head coaches. <clears throat> I think that this whole club identity thing started with... Probably to a lesser extent Arsenal, but I think definitely took off with the whole Barcelona golden generation thing because it was very much like a we saw what was going wrong and we changed our whole club philosophy from the ground up. Every team plays the same way. Every team has the same style of coaching. Every player is raised the Barcelona way. And and I think that's predominantly where it came from is because they had so much success in that era. Everyone was like, "Oh, we need a philosophy, and we need a we need to be have an identity." And I think that that's where it came from, in my opinion. I'm, I mean, I might be wrong. There there might be like people who say go back to like the '60s and you know West Ham had a philosophy, and uh, I mean, I I would disagree, but 
that's just my opinion. I think philosophy and identity, I think, are two in football in terms of very different things because a philosophy as a club is if you, if you take like a West Ham or you take uh, a Man United for a lecture of saying they were always about, they were always kind of known for bringing through, they had great academies, bringing those players through, uh, allowing them to get their to get their start when when you're talking that's for me is always is is about that kind of philosophy a lot like barcelona you know they put a lot of money into their academy they pick players up as early as possible they they teach them they train them the exact the same way but when you talk about like the identity about the way that the team plays it's only I, for me that's only really been prevalent since probably about 2015 when people talk about the way that guardiola manages because I think now clubs play more the same play more the same way they now than they did twenty years ago. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot of variety in the way teams play anymore, or try uh, to play. Yeah, it's basically one of two ways: they either sit back and defend if you're a team that's not classed as an elite team, and the elite teams like to hold the ball and pass it around a lot, and you know. Don't always look to score goals, which I always find is a bit bizarre. They just like to I mean, ball around 600 times in a game. I would agree with that point to a certain extent, but then I start to think that, do you not think that even the lesser teams still basically do the same thing, though? They play out from the back. When they get yeah, the ball, that... they try to move the ball around rather than the whole, let's just get it forward as fast as we can, you know? So when they're playing each other, they do. I still feel, to a to a little bit of a degree, it's still if they're playing <clears throat> one of those so-called elite teams, they'll they'll still try and sit back and counterattack. I I mean, I, sit back and and defend. I agree with, but I I still think that there's still this whole philosophy of there is a right way to play. Yeah, that yeah that 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 that's been certainly become more prevalent in the last five years. If you don't play the Pep uh, Guardiola <clears throat> way, you're not playing football the right way and it, to a lesser extent you're probably right when you said about Arsenal when uh, under Arsene Wenger hmm. with all uh, you know the, the the passing the ball around keeping it on the deck playing out from the back you know I think Wenger was quoted once as saying that's how that's how he feels football should be played well the whole um, um I mean being someone that worked for Arsenal as well like the 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 motto of the club was play the Arsenal way. That was literally yeah. the motto of the club. So, I mean, I I would say that I, I think the problem is, is that a lot of fans are naive and deluded with their identity and yeah. philosophy. Do, like, do you think that is, do you think the, this thing about identity is purely fan driven? No, I think the fans have followed on from the lead of the clubs. I think that it's a bit snobbish and pretentious. Yeah. And it's come from the clubs and the coaching staff, the whole, well, I'm clearly amazing. I know the right way to play football and we have an identity and fans have kind of piggybacked off of that 
Yeah. You know? Like, there was, like, I mean, like, a while ago, like, when Sam Allardyce was in charge of West Ham, and, you know, like, he was winning games, but the fans were booing him because of how he was winning, and it was like, are you joking? You're, you're West Ham. Are you expecting to be challenging for the league or something? What? the f*** is wrong with you? I'm swearing, sorry, I shouldn't be swearing on this podcast, so... No, you shouldn't. That's a bleep coming. Yeah, actually, it's a whistle. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, um, of course it is, sorry. <clears throat> but yeah, it's like, where have you got this idea above your station that you deserve to be in the same league as, you know, Man City or, or yeah. Arsenal or Liverpool or somewhere like that? It's like, I mean, I, as a Spurs fan, would agree that Conte, uh, Conte's way of playing is boring. Oh, it's horribly results, boring. But if he gets results, I don't care. But, so, people talk of Spurs' identity, using us as the example, as a team that is 90 miles an hour, attacking football, scores lots of goals, probably concede lots of goals. You know, have games finished three, three, four, three, four, four, and and the fans go home happy because they've seen a great game of football. So, if that's supposed to be, and I use the the air quotes for the word "supposed to be," why would a club look to bring in two managers that pretty much play the same way, or three if you count uh, Nuno, who only lasted nine games? Why would they bring in a group of managers that sit back and defend with five or six and look to play on a counter-attack and don't play free-flowing attacking football? If that's what our supposed club identity actually is. So I think that that came about because they were looking for someone that could win. And they thought that these coaches have a track record of winning and we just need to win something now. It's been a long time when we haven't won anything, so we need to look to get that done. I think that that's probably why they went to go approach those. But I would disagree that, is that our identity? Well, that, everything I've ever heard about about Spurs and everything I've kind of ever read has always been about that... Um, Fast pace, nine tomorrow now. Get the ball up the pitch as far. Get work, work the ball up the pitch. Score lots of goals through the eighties, through the nineties. Except when Christian Gross was in charge, um, and you know uh, under Red Nap, under George Potch, Graham, George, yeah. And those the managers that they picked that that were the more defensive minded managers. It didn't matter if they were winning games, as you as you touched on with like Sam Allardyce at West Ham. If the football was not to the fans liking they were booing the team off the pitch even if they were winning 1-0 the George Graham way so I'm going to get back to the Tottenham thing quickly but I'm just going to touch finish on the the point that I was saying with the whole like West Ham thing is that I joke about this with with Tom all the time but it is it's a joke that's based on a legitimate gripe that so many fans think that their team is synonymous with playing attractive, sexy, entertaining football. No, it's not. 
there are so many clubs that that is not what you are synonymous with at all. You are synonymous with lumping it up to the big man and playing down from there. That is what you are synonymous with. Like Newcastle have always been with synonymous with the big number nine. Yeah, so I no, think Chelsea have as well. You know, they've always had a big physical player up front who they move the ball too quickly. He holds <clears> it up, brings other brings brings other players in, and that's how that's how they attack up the pitch. They so move it quickly. Clubs. Um, and you know they brought in Graham Potter, who plays a completely different way, and has now spent what so they spent five hundred million pound trying to change the philosophy of I the club. And every time they've tried to do that, it doing. doesn't work. Yeah, they don't. But every time Chelsea have tried to do something different it. from that, it doesn't work. Yeah, I um, I mean. Like one of the first ones was like the when the Man U fans were complaining about like how the Glazers have destroyed our club and they've ripped our, the heart and soul out of this club and we're not playing the way that Man United are, are, are synonymous with. We've always been known for fast, attacking, attractive football. And it's like, hang on, I remember the 90s where some of the teams you had were boring as hell. You know, yeah, there were some decent teams in there. The 99 team was good. That was entertaining. But, like, was your 97 team? You had Cantona. That was it, basically, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, um, that kind of 2002 to 2005 before they brought Ronaldo in, when they had Ronaldo, Rooney and Tevez. Yeah. The teams before that weren't exactly a great one. It was basically right? like, uh, yeah, get the ball to Giggs or Beckham. One of you two get yep. the ball in the box and someone put yep. it in the net. That was basically your entire game plan. That how is that? Play, play, play the ball to Rude and let Rude do something with it and bring others yeah. in around it. Ninety-seven to ninety-eight as well. Ninety ninety-five to ninety-eight. Get the ball to Eric. Yeah, <laughs> that was basically it. Give the ball to Eric. Let Eric do what Eric wants to do. That was yeah. your whole game plan. What are you talking about? Oh, we've always been synonymous. Didn't you get relegated in the eighties as well? I'm pretty sure, like seventies. Well, Didn't whatever they, seventies. They were still. But they had Ron Atkinson and weren't playing. They weren't playing great football. I was yeah. watching um, ITV on their streaming service. I've got some of the big matches on there from like their their highlights programs from the the old Division One and the late 70s early 80s and watching some of the highlights of those games it's just you, you talk about playing free throw and attacking football ain't no club at that time playing free throw and attacking football not really not on those pitches anyway do you no, know yeah, what, 100%. do you know what the philosophy of man united is brief We're period of abs brief period of absolute dominance long yep. periods of absolute mediocrity small period of absolute dominance big period of mediocrity that man united are doing exactly man united's thing that they are exactly playing to type right now dominate for a period disappear dominate for a period disappear so you know in like 2030 or something they'll be dominating for a period again so you know like they're, they're doing exactly what man united needs to do but this is what i'm talking about is fans that just don't seem to have a philosophy on the point of Spurs I would say our philosophy is um choking like well that, yeah yeah fair yeah, point I mean like I, I, there, I, I would there's say a reason why the word Spursy exists Spursy yeah um yeah. I would say that we've always been 
known for having very good, very talented players that use this as a stepping stone to go somewhere better. Yeah. I would say that we are known with very, very good players, like fantastically good players that play at our club and then yeah, leave go to go history. somewhere. We've had, we've had some phenomenal players. Oh, look at the names we've had. They have been incredible players, but they've always used us to go somewhere better and win stuff. So, you know, it's like, that's what we are known for. We're known for, yeah, here's this player who's absolutely phenomenal. Enjoy them while they're here and then they'll be gone. So whether that means that we play the fast, sexy, attractive football, I don't necessarily know because I remember like big periods in the 2000s where we didn't. Yeah, kind of Christian George, George Graham, that sort of kind of... Well, Bavira. even... Like after that, um, what uh, one day Ramos? That you know. That oh team God, it's a name. That's a name well. I don't want. It. Yeah. Um, Ramos. Jacques yeah. Santini, you know, he yeah. was like Jerry Francis. That team was rubbish. Oh, that team was freaking awful. Um, it's a low point. You know, for there's, sure. there's been some dull, boring teams that you know that that, that we've had that have just done. Cool. I, oh, sorry, I keep swearing. Do you know what it is? It's because we did the other podcast before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That we've right, had so, let, dull... so let me ask you as a football fan, what's more important? Would you rather win the league playing ugly? Yes. Or boring football? No, you don't or... need to ask me the other question. Yes, I would. I've, I've said this all along. If we won every single game, a boring 1-0, 0-0, 2-1, and stuff, I'd be more than happy with that. No problem. I don't care. <laughs> oh no, we're not playing good football. <laughs> Where'd you finish in the league this year? <laughs> oh, we won it. So but who cares? But that's going back to like your point about Saladis. He was winning games, keeping them in the Premier League, which was what that he was employed to do. Yeah. Same as um Chris Hewton at Brighton. He was employed, once he got them up, he was employed mm-hmm. to keep them in the Premier League. He kept them in the Premier League for two seasons. They sacked yep. him because he didn't play attacking attractive football and and this is what i'm saying i don't necessarily well i don't think it started with the fans because i i think if the team is winning i I don't think fans necessarily care i think it came about from owners and 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 the media saying oh they're not playing very good football are they They're, they're playing very ugly football it's not enjoyable to watch is it and it's like it's not enjoyable to watch for you because you're a snob as a fan if we win and it's boring as hell i don't care we won i don't give a crap i'm going home at the end of the day thinking another three points yes you know until the goal that you scored yeah until everyone starts getting on your back about it. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, blah, blah, blah. They play ugly, horrible football, don't they? Yeah. Then the fans start getting snobby about it and they start thinking, well, everyone's taking the mick out of us. Now we need to play good, attractive football. And the owners with Chris Hooten, like, I don't think the Brighton fans were on his back or anything. It was the owners that were like, well, no, we need to, we need to be, you know, talked about with the creme de la creme now you know like you know we've been in this league for two years now it's time we started playing sexy football 
that's my two cents. I don't, you know, I can't say that that's right or not. It's just that's my opinion on it. I do think that fans are partially to blame for it because <clears throat> they watched, but they watched the Barcelona that gold generation at Barcelona team, and you know they want that's what they want their teams to do, especially young, um, kind of younger fans that that group that at the time, like between 2010 and uh, 2020 would have been like 16, 17, 18. You know, everybody was obsessed with that Barcelona team and then they come back and watch their team and they're like, oh, this, 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 this isn't how they play. This, this, this isn't how they play. I'm not going to come to these games. I mm-hmm. think these games are boring. And it kind of filtered into the owners, whether it was like a drop in attendance, like whether it was a drop in attendance, which then was a drop in revenue. Um, dropping season ticket holders, whatever it, whatever it was, I I do feel like it's been driven partly by the fans as well. I think owners have got more to do with it. If I was to split it, I would probably say it's a seventy thirty split. Yeah, I mean the fans. I mean, like I said, that you know the stupid West Ham fans who were booing Sam Allardyce's team. You know, there's proof enough of that. But I think that that's just. You know, Everton fans, Rafa Benitez, not including the fact that he wasn't—he was a Liverpool manager. He wasn't playing the Everton way. You know, that's what you. I have no, absolutely no idea. But that was a common. That was a common complaint you'd hear. He wasn't playing the Everton way. Yeah, being too too defensive. I don't know what that means. No, you know there is no blah 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 way. It's the the way that gets results, right? I mean, I don't. What is the Everton way? Finishing seventh every year. What uh, is that? What it is? I don't. Because let's face it, they weren't playing. If you want to talk about attractive <clears throat> uh, sex football, they weren't doing that when uh, David Moyes was in charge. No, not at all. You know, and they were talking about bringing him back. You know, they were talking about if he got sacked by West Ham about bringing him back into. Um, into Everton, but he definitely wasn't playing that possession-based uh, football that apparently everybody tries to claim for. Um, you've also got to look at these new managers like Lampard, like, like what Gerard tried to do at Villa, what Patrick Vieira has tried to do at Crystal Palace. It just seems that they're the only seem to know that way, and then there's when yeah, it's not I working, there's, there's no the plan problem. B. Yeah, they've all just said this is the right way. This is the right way to play football. And then there's nothing left to fall back on when it all goes tits up. Okay, I'll just keep hammering away with Plan A. So what's that? Yeah. What's that expression? The um, the uh, definition of insanity is doing the same uh, thing over and over thing and thing. expecting different results. But they don't seem to have any other way. And 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 I put a lot of this blame on the FA as well, because having been someone who's done education, yeah, that they are very much a this is the right way to do it um and this and 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 for a lot of the time as well this is the right way right now so for instance okay. i went i went through my coaching where we passed from one of the books that they recommended i read went from having as few passes as possible in order to get to the goal is the ideal aim to yeah. having as many passes as possible to get to the goal is the ideal aim. To having as few, uh, ha- as 
few unnecessary passes as possible is the aim. Back to having as many passes as possible is the aim. You know, that, yeah. that, so I went through all of those. So the first book they told me was basically lump it up to the big man. Then I started yeah. being coached on the tiki taka. Then I got started getting coached on the German way of playing, the quick, fast counter-attacking. And then I yeah. got put the back to the tiki taka again. And it's like, you don't even know what you're doing. You're just choosing whichever style is, is um, you know, in vogue at the time. You know, it's like the FA doesn't even have a philosophy. They say they do, Which is- but they don't. Which is surprising because they've taken a coach in Gareth Southgate that's quite pragmatic. Is wants to be defensively solid first, and then if you can nick a, and you know wants to try and nick the goal and nick the game one nil. But I mean they've done that with, I mean Capello wasn't exactly Hodgson. I mean yeah the only I mean uh, Sven he coached in Italy for ages as well. So who was before? Sven, was it Keegan? Hoddle, Keegan, Keegan. Oh yeah, Keegan. I mean, he wasn't exactly known for I, playing scintillating football, was he? He was more of an attack. He he played a lot. He was more of an attacking coach than we probably had for a. Uh, he was he was quite an attacking coach. His Newcastle team scored lots of goals. Well, the most defensively solid uh, team you'll ever come across. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> They're, they're winning three two at Anfield in the last ten minutes, and instead of shutting up shop, they brought another striker on and end up losing the game four three. But I mean, his Fulham team weren't fantastic. Oh no, not and at all. His City his team weren't great either. City I don't team think. weren't great either. No, and then he he got the job while he was still Fulham manager, didn't he? I think or so. Yeah, he, he did both for a while, didn't he? No, and then the FA said, I, I swear he did two jobs for a while. He was no, I don't think so. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't remember him doing two jobs because it's very rare that you see they allow anybody to do it. No, that's why jobs. it was weird because he was doing this job and he was doing the England job as well, and that's why it was like everyone was like, "Well, he needs to choose one, and he's to pick one, and he's to pick one, and he's to pick one," and then eventually the FA went, "Everyone says you need to pick one, so could you pick one, please?" Because they're telling us what we should do. No, I don't necessarily think that's overly true. I mean, what you know, you, you don't need to go see every single game to see how somebody's playing, really. Well, we know Gareth Southgate doesn't. Ooh. I was just going to say on your point about owners, mm-hmm. I will, I will concede. You know, it's exactly what Chelsea's owners have gone and done. You know, we want this type of football. Sacked Tuchel two four days after the transfer window, and then brought in Graham Potter and spent yeah. a load of money to try and change their their team so i will i will certainly concede that they definitely make your argument definitely make a point for your argument i think it's because football clubs after the premier league era became more of a fashion statement than a passion project yeah yeah like a lot of football club owners used to love the club or they grew up in the area or something like that and they just wanted the club to succeed that's what they wanted um they wanted the best for what was for the club because they loved the club so much they were usually supporters of the club that they owned or something like that but then it took a turn and it became more of a fashion statement it's like 
well i have four sports teams how many sports teams do you own and i yeah. own i own a premier league team do you own a premier league team? and it became a little bit more like that i think and now it's turned into a situation where owners who love the club are seen as toxic and they need to gtfo so that we can get a rich uh saudi or arab qatari some middle eastern rich guy to come in and own our club and then if that ends up going down the tubes they're like well where were the people trying to stop these people from buying our club eh where were the local people football fans are stupid people are stupid in general yeah it's like the all the people that really want this rich person to come in that they're just like just you know it's like Newcastle with the Saudis they're just like just let them own it just let them buy the club damn it and it's like we don't care about the human rights problems let them buy the club damn it if that had all gone tits up they'd be like why did they let them buy the club damn it yeah yeah like what happened with Bolton they were just like um, oh we're desperate for someone to come in with money please buy our club what. He had no money, and he's run the club into the ground. Portsmouth. Why did they let yeah, him do Portsmouth. this? Yeah. Portsmouth Berry. is a big one that springs to mind. Oh, Barry, yeah. Mac- uh, which one went out of business last year? Barry was a couple of years ago, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it might be that, that I'm think- thinking of. Yeah, they sold the club for like a pound, didn't they? And then realised that they actually sold it to someone who had absolutely no money. Like It's like, I don't have a problem with the owners at Tottenham I'm not one of these people that's like, why aren't they spending money? I'm like, just spend money on the right people. It's like, you know, I don't mind if you don't spend a lot of money, but don't spend a lot of money on waste. Yeah. Do you think that the advent of these director of footballs, head of head of recruitments and managers now becoming head coaches has made that problem worse? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I think that that's a very big um problem because a lot of directors of football treat it like a video game and yeah they don't buy the players that the coach wants they buy the players that they want and it's again going back to a fashion thing yeah well it's like the whole thing that with with pochettino wasn't it is like he wanted uh dybala so we got lamella and it's like well i got you an no, argentinian we, uh no we got lacelso at that point lacelso sorry Lame. yeah uh argentinians they're all the same and he wanted fernandez and he got uh and yeah so it's like it's like well i got you a player like that but you know and it's like i mean look at Chelsea, I mean, how many of those players do you think Potter actually identified? Or how many do you think they went, yeah, let's just go out and get them? I mean, bloody hell, he won the World Cup. Uh, Arsenal were really after this player. Let's go grab him. He must be good. You know, it's like, you know, how many? Yeah. Well, they've signed 35 players this season, haven't they? Yeah. And and how how many of them do you think Potter went, I'd really like you to try and get this guy? No. They just went out and they bought the players. I think I know it was Jal Phoenix. Because he needed a striker, but yeah, they've just gone and just just got players. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that I, I I definitely do think that that's a, a massive disconnect. Um, on that front, I, I mean, Alex Ferguson was wholly in charge of the team, and he got the player that he wanted. I mean, 
how long did he want Ruud van Nistelrooy for before he finally got him? Same uh, as van der Sar, I think it was. Van der Sar, Dwight York. Um, okay, there were some that were out of there. Mark Bosnich, he really wanted. Uh, one Veron, he wanted. Yeah, Veron well, is, so. is the famous one, isn't it? It's probably the biggest yeah. big money bust that United so, yeah, it, had in his time. It didn't always work. Of course it didn't. But, I mean, like, it hit more often than it didn't, right? Yeah. I mean, of course you're going to get some flops. There's always going to be someone where you just, you know... It just doesn't... Every... Yeah, for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. You know, that's for just every... natural within any form of business, isn't it, really? Yeah, for, for every Eric Cantona, you're going to get a um, Carol Paborski, you know? It's like, it's, it's, it's going <laughs> to yeah. happen. Jordi Cruyff. Jordi Cruyff, yeah. But, um, but, I mean, you'd say it hit a lot more than it missed, and... Well, their track record would prove that, wouldn't it? Yeah. I mean, the other thing I would say is, um, going back, it's easy to do this because we're Spurs fans, so it's easy to equate it to this. But we really turned a corner with Harry Redknapp. Yeah. That was when we actually turned a corner. And he he was the last person that came in and said, I don't want no director of football crap. I'm going to come in as the manager. I want control over this team. If that's something you don't want to give me, then I don't need this job. Yeah, and 100%. Daniel Levy went. Of football was yeah, okay. there, there was a director of football there, wasn't there, before he came yeah. in? Yeah, because before there was he one came in, it straight was, uh, after. Yeah, but he didn't have one. He didn't have a director of football. No, and I would say that he, that's when we really turned a corner. That was the beginning of the of the. The, the the top four uh, challenge of Spurs. I mean, before that, yeah. we the rebirth. I'm going to call it. I'm just going to call it. The, I class that era as kind of the rebirth of Spurs. Yeah, that was when we turned that corner, and he was the last manager, last manager that we had that actually had full control over everything. It's not all about the people that you. Well, I mean, it it is. But let me let me finish. It's not all about the people that you buy. It's about buying the right people. And if that means don't buy anyone, then it, it still worked at the time. Yeah, you don't it's have not... to buy players for the sake of it. Yeah, yeah. and I feel a, that that's what we do a lot of the time. In a transfer window, you yeah. buy players. Yeah, I don't. I don't care that we don't spend a lot of money. I just, I get annoyed that we just waste money. It seems. Yeah. Like, like there are so many players that we bought that were like, why? Just we spent 150 million anyone. this season, and I don't. I look at the players that we bought, and I don't think any of them's really been a hit, particularly. Not really, no. This season, definitely not. I'd say the best player we've signed recently is Kulisevsky, isn't it? But yeah, but he's still only on loan. He doesn't join. He yeah. d- there's still he doesn't join for end of this uh, season. He can season, join. yeah. Yeah. yeah, but we haven't. We didn't buy anybody in this summer transfer window that's been a hit. But what what do you what do you think about the whole identity philosophy thing? What do I, you make it all? As I said, I think it's seventy percent owner driven because they want their team they want their team to play like Barcelona did, and I think thirty percent of it is fans being a little bit for lack of a better term, um, delusional. You know, as you talk about like the West Ham theme, we talk about Spurs is like 
where I said right at the top, you know, supposedly being this all-out attacking gung-ho, score lots of goals kind of thing. And as we've already discussed, you know, we can think of many times where that's kind of not been the case. Um, they talk about Chelsea being uh, used to play like free-throwing football. And I'm like, think about them. They've, in the time that sort of Brownbridge bought them, they've never done that. Particularly, they've always played the, the same kind of way. You look at United, they had some horrible teams that would grind out, you know, a 1 0 win and it'd be really, really boring. Just got to look at that couple of the FA Cup finals that they were in. Those games were awful, mm-hmm. awful games. Um, and I just think collectively, there needs to be, we need to be a bit more realistic. And I agree so- that. I don't like, and I just don't like the director of football setup. I think there's too much of a disconnect between the person that picks a team and the person that is responsible for bringing the players in. It feels like someone who just wanted to make some money went into a club one day, convinced them that they needed this position, and then yeah. invented a position for themselves, basically. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the director of football. I don't think they do anything. I don't. Yeah. I think, as you just said, it's a position that someone created somewhere, probably came from Italy, I think, and it just caught on around the world. And they don't, I just don't feel like they do anything. Mm. You know, they're not with the team training, seeing the players every day. They're not watching the games, uh, seeing where the needs are, where a weakest positions is, getting the feedback from the coaching team and things like that. It's like, it's like they just put their finger in here and go, uh, that one. You, you're yeah. coming to us, but there's nowhere for them to put them. You just got to look at the Chelsea situation from the transfer window. They bought loads of players, and there's nowhere to put. Them. They couldn't even they register some of them, right? Because there was no exactly. <laughs> They've got too many, and they couldn't register them. They couldn't register them all in the Champions League, and it's just like, just needs a little bit of kind of control. Mm. Okay, so just uh, to I, finish, this... and I will definitely take winning ugly, and winning the league. Or yep. supposedly ugly and winning the league or winning a trophy than mm-hmm. um, playing 38 games that are exciting and finish 10th in the table. Yeah. Okay, so just to finish this episode off, talk, bringing it back to Antonio Conte, what did you make of what he said? I think if he'd have done it 10 years ago, nobody would be talking about it. Yeah. It's what in I said this, as well. It's a different In era this now, day so. and age, you can't attack the players because ultimately the director of football is the one that brings the players in. So by, by attacking the players, you're attacking a member of the club hierarchy and they're not going to stand for that. I mean, to be fair, he did attack the club outright anyway. He attacked the owner yeah. directly. So. <laughs> yeah, but for him to then someone supposedly associated and come out 24 hours later and said it was an attack on the owner or the board. It was just the culture of the club. But if you're talking about the culture of the club, you're talking about the owner. But if he'd have done it 10 years ago, nobody would have batted an eyelid. It would be, he would probably be praised for calling the club out on its, on its failing. Having said that, perceived, though, perceived failing, sorry. Having said that, though, watching some of the pundits who commentated on that afterwards, who are 90s footballers, 90s, 2000s footballers, some of them were like, 
oh, you can't, you can't do that. You can't come out in public and, and say those kind of things. You've got to have these kind of conversations behind closed doors. You can't, you can't, the players need to be protected by you and stuff like that. So even players from the 90s were a little bit But I think soft. that's the, I think that's the, the culture of where we are now as a society. I don't think that's, as I said, if they'd have done that 10 years ago, those same pundits would have been like, you know, that's that's a wake up call for the players and manager is now challenging you. Are you going to answer that challenge? Mm. Not, oh my God, he criticised me in public. Oh no. Go complain to their my, agents, yeah. go get a move. My, my thinking is that I don't get why you have such a um, sense of entitlement that you can't be attacked in public. Your industry is a very public industry. Yeah, hundred percent. So, I mean, I, if if we were working I, in an office, and yeah. I had a go at you in front of the office, that's a a perfectly natural. If you messed up badly over and over and over and over again, and I eventually called you out in front of the office, no one would have any problem with that. If I called a press conference, first yeah, of all, no one would on, come. Or put it because or put it on social media, for example. <clears throat> yeah. Because we're not in a public industry, so nine times out of ten, nobody's going to care. But second of all, that's not anyone else's concern. But you are in a very public industry, so why don't I have the right to criticise you in public if you are making me look bad? And also, you're asking people questions at a time when... I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't know if this is the right word or what, but they are vulnerable because they've had the passion of the game and they might be like Conte was after watching Spurs draw, uh, throw away three one. He's frustrated. So yeah. you're, you're asking him for his opinion less than five minutes after the game's finished. Yeah. So, so you're almost setting them up to fail in that regard. Mm -hmm. And you know, when you're talking to someone like Conte, who is an extremely passionate individual, you see that by the way he is on the touchline. He's gonna, they've gonna, it's gonna be a point where he's gonna say something like that because he's frustrated and he's wound up. Yeah. And you're catching him at a moment when he is, as I say, for lack of a better word, when they're vulnerable. If you were to interview them the next day, you'd get Calm a different. He's probably might have prevailed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think he'd have gone into the run that he did because, you know, he didn't like what he saw from his team and he's frustrated. So he's vented his frustration. If you do that interview 24 hours later, even two hours later, you're going to get a different perspective. I also don't think he said anything completely out of the, out of the, uh, that was uncalled for either. It's like, well, I don't think know. he said any, I don't think he said anything that wasn't true. Yeah, look Personally. at look at the history of this club over the past twenty years. You know, like yeah. this is what they do. There is a verb, you know, based on this team for this exact thing. Oh, yeah. you pulled a Spurs. Oh, you're being Spursy. You know, there's an adjective for exactly what you just saw on the pitch today. There is a reason for that. Yeah. I haven't been here this whole twenty years. Yeah, yeah. So, for, yeah, you know, he was, for lack of a better I mean, phrase, not 20, spitting truth. But, you know, yeah, yeah. Spit, oh, he was spitting, spitting truth, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, for lack of a better better phrase. That's all he was doing. Yeah, he didn't say anything that I don't think wasn't true. 
No. No, I, I, I agree with him. And I also thought as soon as he'd said it, he was gone. Yeah, me too. But, 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 but for the same reason that you did, because you can't say stuff like that these days because yeah, he, the players are spineless, apparently. They can't have any kind of get, public criticism. No, and I also a part of me also thinks he was looking to get himself sacked. Yeah, I think he was probably yeah happy to take the money, wasn't he? And he got a big yeah, fat paycheck, you know, you know. Get paid out for the rest of the contract and not have to deal with the book with the <laughs> anymore. Yeah, so I do I think go, part... I can go back to Italy and I've had health problems this year, so I can chill out for a bit with my big fat paycheck, can't I? So yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, Rather than flying backwards and forwards as he's been doing for the last few weeks, he could just, mm. you know, say that about the club. You know you're going to get sacked, get the payout, and as you say, go sit at home and decide what you want to do after that. I think he saw, I can't do anything with this team. That We are never going to get anywhere with this team. So, yeah, I'm not feeling that great. Weather sucks here. Yeah, let's just go back to Italy for a while. Yeah, Got better food, gonna, better gonna, women, gonna, better weather. I'm going to vent my frustrations with the team. I know I'm going to get sacked at the end of it. I think that and way then, as yeah, well is that you kind of deflect a little bit from the poor performances and you put it back off of you and back onto the team, don't you? Like you know, yeah, a little bit, about, so, a little bit about saving his own his own reputation. Potentially the next Italy manager, I think. Yeah, if um, I don't know what their Italy second result was. Uh, over the last few days, obviously after losing to England at the weekend. Mm. But I think Mancini's on the chopping block. Yeah, I think that Mancini's probably not there too much longer for this world. No, <laughs> no I don't think he's... Uh, you know, you, you, you don't miss a World Cup and then lose your first qualifying game. Euros qualifier, yeah. Yeah, in a tournament that you won and then lose your first qualifier, I don't think he's going to be around much longer. Yeah, probably. Get to, he'll get to the end of the season, maybe after the June internationals, depending on how those results go, and then he's gone. And then, as you yeah. say, Conte then comes in, slightly lighter workload for him compared to being the day-to-day club manager, gets to work with the players um, how he wants to. He gets to pick the team, pick the 23-man yeah. squad. And, yeah, he'll take it to the next Euros. Yeah, I think that's probably what's going to happen. Can oh, certainly see it happening. Well, Phelan, did we get everything out of the conversation that you hoped for? I think so. Yeah, <clears throat> it's good to get that kind of um, conversation with someone that understands <laughs> and knows what that's like. Is is an angry, bitter, cynical person? You mean, yeah? <laughs> yeah. 100%. Yeah. No, no. Trust me, I'm, 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 I'm fully with you behind most of these points. To be honest with you, so I don't think. Um, Teams that have success can actually uh, really understand this either, you know. So yeah, that is also. <clears throat> I mean, there are whole generations of Man City fans who didn't know what it was like to play Wickham Wanderers in Division Two. Mate, you know, yeah, so. don't know what it's like to play at Main Road and things like that. Yeah, but anyway, this is a nice conversation. Like I said, a little bit different to th- this week. Just a nice little. Little uh, sandwich filler to keep you going, just to remind you that we're still here. So, our mini cast. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining me, Phelan. Thank you for having me, Rich. Pleasure as always. 
Um, yes, and sacked in the morning. How do I sign this off? I can't remember how I sign this off now. Um, I think it's just, yeah, take care. Yeah, take care. Until, until later, next time. Of. Yeah, until next yep. time. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Some people are on the pitch. They think it's all over. It is now. Enjoyed the show? Why not check out 742 Evergreen Terrace, the Simpsons podcast? This has been a Rich Tea Entertainment production. Thank you for listening.